Hey there. Welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. Yard signs. That, that, that's the beautiful thing about small communities. Um, I And I still remember my family going, what? You make yard signs? Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I just had a couple yard signs ordered, and uh, I put them up. And, you know, I always had the garage door open and was, you know, working on a bike on the stand and whatnot. And I'd, I'd you know, become friends with a lot of the neighbors. And so word just kind of spread quick. As you guys mentioned earlier, nobody likes to leave the island, right? Um, you're in Mount Lachey, you don't, you know, you may not even have a way to load up your bike and take it somewhere, let alone all the way into Cape Coral or Fort Myers, as far away as those are. Um, and so, you know, people kind of ate that up. Oh, there's a guy right up the street that can do a tune up, that can change a flat, that can do, you know, X, Y, Z. And they, and they like to support locals. That was Judd Payne from Island Bike Works in Bocalia. In this episode, we learn about life before Island Bike Works how the Payne family works closely together in their business on Pine Island, and what plans they have for the future. You will hear how this family takes pride in treating all customers and their bikes with professionalism and attention to detail. And you will hear how they get the biggest bang out of seeing the smiles on their customers' faces as they try out their newly serviced bikes for the first time. And now, here are Judd Payne and his daughter, Kaylin. Well, welcome. Judd and Kaylin, it was so nice of you to agree. I know when I came in, you were the, I said, would you like to be on a podcast, Kaylin? And you said, yes, you didn't even hesitate. Most people, you know, take a couple seconds, but thank you very much. That's how I knew you were in marketing. So thank you very much. I thought we'd start with background uh, questions, where you're from, where you've worked before, where you grew up. And I thought our listeners would be interested in that. And whoever wants to start. Sure. Yeah. You go ahead. All right. So um, my wife and I are high school sweethearts from Iowa. Hmm. So we actually grew up in Iowa. Um, moved to Colorado for college. She became a speech pathologist. I was going to school to be an architect um, at CU Boulder. And loved the creative side of it. But got into the math and said, wow, this is not for me. So probably about 1997, I dropped out of college taught myself programming, um, Perl at the time, HTML, you know, some of the basics and actually started my own software company. Um, fast forward, had ended up six different software companies, had a, the first online motocross company that ever existed, had a shop doing service, all that good stuff. Um, the last two software companies ended up hitting it pretty big. We did delivery software for milk companies, produce companies, et cetera. It was, you know, tell you what to load on the truck, customers could order, all based on recurring orders, et cetera. And uh, so I, I stared at a screen for the last 25, 30 years and was was kind of lead programmer and then built the company up where, you know, at some point I stepped out of the programming aspect and, and did more of the management stuff and ended up selling the last two uh, to a publicly traded company out of Australia and kind of exited the game that I am done dealing with employees and computers and code and the whole internet world and kind of became a hermit and said, <laughs> don't put me in front of a computer screen anymore. Um, so I, I tried to kind of semi-retire and it just wasn't for me. I, I've got to have some type of purpose in life, you know. Um, we, we've we homeschooled the kids for many years, so we've been able to travel the country in the RV. Oh, that's incredible. And, Spent a ton of time, you know, traveling around Florida. Uh, my parents actually used to live on Pun Island. And we, I think it was, what, five years ago, four years ago, yeah. we were kind of down this way with the camper. And my wife said, let's go check out, you know, where your parents used to live one more time. So we ended up driving through Mount Lachey, and there was this little yellow, yellow house that was for sale with a picket fence around it. And she said, wow, that we need that. We ended up buying this little 900-square-foot house in Mount Lachey, and that kind of changed everything. Um, parked the camper, started setting down roots. Um, I got bored, basically, in, in retirement. I, you know, there's only so much time you can be on vacation and play and whatnot. 
And so I, I used to race motocross, compete in trials. I've, I've always loved things on two wheels. Um, something about it that just keeps you young, you know? And so I started building my own electric bikes before electric bikes were even popular. I would take a normal bike and convert it to electric. And um, then kind of word got out that I could fix bikes. And before you knew it, people were dropping bikes in my yard with little notes and Ziplocs saying, hey, here's what I need done. And um, I remember coming home at one point and there were like 15 bikes in my front yard. And I was like, that's it. We, we got to get a shop or, or something. You know, this is getting a little crazy. So I had met uh, the guy who used to own Pine Island Cycles like once. I'd walked into a shop, had to buy a, a seat, you know, for one of the bikes I was building. Just happened to give him a card, talked to him for maybe 60 seconds. And for some reason, he held on to that card. And I think it was a year later, I was back in Colorado at Hobby Lobby with my wife. That's how bored I was. I was at Hobby Lobby with my <laughs> wife. And uh, the phone rings and it's this Florida number. And I was like, it's got to be spam, but, you know, I guess I'll answer it. So I answer it, and it's, it's Dave from Pine Island Cycles. And he said, hey, um, think about selling, selling my bike shop when I thought of you. And I said, sweet, I'll be on a plane tomorrow. So I flew down the next day. We struck up a deal and bought the shop. He had already moved to where we're, we're currently at. And uh, kind of the rest is history. You know, when, when we walked in there, it was pretty empty shop, um, pretty run down as far as what the interior looked like and, you know, the stock on hand and all that stuff. So we gutted the place, redid it, um, stocked it with a lot of good stuff and treated people right. And, um, you know, we're honest and did a good job, developed relationships. And then e-bikes got huge, as you guys know. And so we just happened to be in the right niche in the right industry at the right time. That, that was my passion was e-bikes. Um, we were still custom building them at that time, you know, for people. Um, and then, you know, the good brand names came in. And so now we, now we carry brand name e-bikes, but um, I still do conversions once in a while. You know, somebody, somebody will have a, a recumbent or something that they can't find that's, that's electric and I'll, I'll still convert them. Um, but we just kind of developed a name for being one of the only shops in Southwest Florida that'll work on any brand, whether we sold it or not. Um, so we, we've gotten to see the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. It's given us a leg up because yeah. we've ridden the Hemiways, the Electrics, the Rads. Um, we worked on them all. And so we know what's good and what's bad. And we're able to really kind of pick up brands that we we had faith in. Well, it's incredible because I was reading, you, you've said you'll work on anything. You don't mm -hmm. say no to anything. Yeah. That's that's incredible to be able to say that. Yep, yep. So, yeah. um, and we, you know, we kind of, we've come from a background of always living in the country. We actually. Um, own a gold mine out in Colorado. We've been on the Discovery Channel. Um, they did a whole episode on us, this show called Reclaimed. Um, so we've got an off-grid cabin that the entire family builds, um, you know, by hand out there at 11,000 feet right above the, the Continental Divide or right at the Continental Divide. And so the kids have always been exposed to self-starting, you know, entrepreneurship, um, get your shovel out, start digging and get something done. And so, you know, Kaylin has kind of naturally picked that up and she's got, you know, this huge passion for, for bikes and entrepreneurship and just being able to go out and tackle difficult problems and, and not wait for help. I'll, I'll kind of let you expand on, on your background, Kaylin. Yeah, so, yeah, like you said, I've kind of had a crazy childhood growing up, a lot of <laughs> interesting experiences that other people, they haven't had it in 50 years of life and I'm only 19. so. Being on the Discovery Channel, we went through a flood in Colorado, like a thousand-year flood, um, the hurricane now. So it's just like all these crazy adventures that um, I just got to experience because I'm his kid. <laughs> and um, yeah, so my freshman year of high school is when we started homeschooling. And from there, we took our camper and just kind of traveled Florida. We would go down the East Coast and come back up the Gulf Coast. Um, and that's when we found, rediscovered Matt Lachey. And um, the bike shop was like huge for me personally in my personal growth and just um, sparked that entrepreneurial spirit in me. Um, my dad, he basically gave me free reign. He was like, this is what we're doing, but stock the shelves however you want, manage this stuff however you want, your ideas, 
will take those all into consideration. Like this is yours too. Oh, and your dad's so, a smart man. Yes. Yeah, so he, <laughs> he put a lot of faith in me as a 16 year old. And, um, that really like totally turned me into, I got that business itch. I wanted to be a part of all of it. There hasn't been like hardly a day that has gone by that we've been open that I haven't been there. That was one of the hard things about going to college is ever since we started the shop, I had maybe taken a week off the entire time. And so, um, yeah, the bike shop's got a really, really good place in my heart because that's like a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that. That's so sweet. Yeah. So, Jed, you're kind of a happy daughter, happy life kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. and you know my my son works there as well. He's he's, he's a, a mechanic. We taught him how to how to be a mechanic, and he's to the point now where you don't have to worry about him. You know, you can toss any any project his way, and he gets it done. Um, but it's just been this unbelievable conduit oh, cool. to watching the kids just flower. You know, we just jump back real quick, and I know we're on the bike shop, and we'll get right back there. But uh, it is so refreshing to hear somebody. Uh, talk about the old web platforms. Um, in a prior life, I took a $2 billion company, so you can imagine um, sticking my neck out and moved them to the LAMP platform. Oh, yeah. Uh, because the Netscape server wasn't working very well, and it was very costly and so forth like yeah. that. And remember the CTO threw the whole thing. He says, how much all has this costed me? And I said, well, literally nothing. Right. Other than... <laughs> Uh, Are you sure we shouldn't stick with Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some of that as well. Right. But I said, really, you're just you're just paying the team. You know, mm-hmm. you're paying their salaries and their benefits. But I said, he said, well, what did the hardware cost me? I said, well, that's a beautiful part. We had rec- literally reclaimed because you know, getting money in a large company is a challenge. Yep. And somebody's desktop was due for replacement. Well, we put Linux on it, and you could run it as an SMT gateway. And we get another one, you could run it as DNS, and we could have a couple others run as web servers. And yep. you know, another one is a firewall or something like that. And he goes, this is all free? And uh, he goes, it's faster than what we had before. So yeah. you know, when we read or heard about what you were doing, like, she did consulting for years and years right. and was PHP and MySQL. She did a little bit of Perl, but mostly PHP, MySQL yep. kinds of stuff. So I don't think people are doing that anymore today, but so it's probably... No, it's we, probably in use because I believe Facebook at one time was based off PHP oh yeah, or some it, extension of Facebook. It's all secretly still in use. Nobody wants to admit it. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> I, the things we've done are still in use. Yeah. You know, I think you said that too yeah. in one of the articles I read. When you said, but when, and I'm sorry, I'm going back too, but when, when you said um, you didn't like math and then you mm-hmm. said you went right into programming, I'm like, wait a minute. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I, I have a degree in math. Yeah. And programming really attracted me, but you yeah. must not have given it a chance. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> to, to me, programming was more logic. It wasn't necessarily like math. Um, once I got into programming, I mean, I, I stayed up 12, 14, 16-hour days just devouring books and other people's code and researching. I mean, you know, this was back in the day when if you could make a flag wave on a page, you were like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was building, you know, one-page realtor websites when I when I first started. You homeschooled um, yourself then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, you know, even today there there aren't very many colleges that you can go to and come out as a programmer. They may teach you a program that writes the code, but nobody knows how to write the code anymore. Um, and that's that's how Perl was. That's how PHP was. That, that was our entire stack, the LAMP stack. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, when we sold our company, everything was still MySQL, um, PHP. Um, and, you know, we caught, caught a lot of flack for that, um, especially when we sold. You know, the, they came in, did their due diligence, and they were like, mm, hold on here. You know, do we really want this, this PHP and MySQL? Um, but you look at what we did with it. And it it proved itself, right? Yes. Um, and it was much more efficient. You could have any programmer work on it. You could switch programmers midstream if you needed to. Um, yeah, I've I've always loved that stack, and it, you know, it kind of made me proud that that we, it lasted all the way to the end. You know, that we never switched to Ruby on Rails or you know the the flavor of the day. Yeah. And and we'll, we'll move on here, but I, what we did get, I did get the Microsoft pressure. So I went to the team and I said, okay, here's IIS server, here's ASP. Mm-hmm. It's your decision. If you say this is better, we will move. 
And it took them about a half a day or a day, and they came down. And they said, we don't want to move. Yep. It, 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 they were comfortable. It was fast. They could get stuff done, and they felt good about accomplishing stuff. So yep. it is funny, the perception versus the reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it just it, it just works. I mean, and I, that's a really high compliment for software in yep. any day and age, but oh, particularly yeah. back then. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, so getting a little bit back to Pine Island, do you remember you said that you rediscovered because your wife suggested, let's see where your parents used to live. Do you remember, or, or did your parents ever share how they found Pine Island in the first place? Hmm. You know, I, I don't recall they do. They they were always kings and queens of living in really cool places. Uh, okay. um, like they, they lived on an island called Salt Spring Island in British Columbia for a long time. Nobody had ever heard of it. And, it, you know, they, they find these small little farming communities that are quiet because, um, you know, we grew up in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, had 25 acres, no neighbors, horses, all that stuff. And I think they always kind of were searching for the next untouched place. Um, and Pine Island, you know, was, was definitely that. I mean, this was 20 years ago at least that they lived here kind of over in Captain's Harbor, um, kind of by Lazy Flamingo and those condos back over there. Um, great memories, though, you know, walking across right. the street over to four winds with your your shrimp bucket and and uh, filling up the bait and catching all sorts of fish off their docks and you know the kids grew up there too we got plenty of pictures of huge sail cats that they pulled up out of the water <laughs> under the dock and stingrays and flounder and everything else mm-hmm. um but i think uh you know for them they they're big into biking believe it or not my, my mom was probably one of the first ones that ever adopted e-bike she's had every brand out there and uh so they, they would bike up and down the path, and eventually they got bored with just having the one path and ended up moving out to, uh, like, Venice, the Venice area. Okay. And now they live in Nokomis. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for, for some reason, they always find these little gems, you know? Yeah, we, it, we tend to ask that simply because I think we moved six and a half, seven years ago, and we said, yes, we have a home on Pine Island. People go, where? Huh? Where is that? Mm-hmm. You say, well, do you know... This, nah, Cape Coral, nah, Fort Myers, well, kind of. Yep. You know, how about north of Naples? Yep. And then they want to ask you about, um, I can't remember, Siesta Key and those islands off of the Brayton Saracen, you know, which yep. are the big vacation areas. Boca Grand. And, yep. but, yeah, those all get advertised quite well for tourism and, and more power to them. But this has always kind of been, a, I think, still today for many people, it's really kind of hidden. It is. I mean, I, I remember coming down here with the camper for the first time, and this was before they improved Burnt Store Road, where they double-laned it, you know? And it was a long ways off the interstate on a two-lane highway that was bumpy and potholy. And I remember thinking, wow, we are really going way out in the woods here. You know, now you don't really think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just hop, skip, and jump away from everything. And part of that, they, they've improved the roads and, you know, made better arteries to get down here. Right. But for the first-time visitor, this is still probably country bumpkin, you know, mm-hmm. um, way out there compared to most things you run across in Florida. So how do people figure out about dropping I'm fascinated that somebody would drop a bike in somebody's front. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if I say, hey, Judd, I'm having a problem. Can you look at my bike? If I right. found out that you did bikes or something like that or that you did programming, right? Right. But, I mean, did they see another bike? Did you ever ask them? I mean, or it, they were just there and you just fixed Yard them? signs. That, that, that's the beautiful thing about small communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I still remember my family going, what? You make yard signs? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, I just had a couple yard signs ordered and uh, I put them up. And, you know, I always had the garage door open and was, you know, working on a bike on the stand and whatnot. And I, I, you know, become friends with a lot of the neighbors. And so word just kind of spread quick. As you guys mentioned earlier, nobody likes to leave the island, right? Um, you're in Mount Lachey. You don't, you know, you may not even have a way to load up your bike and take it somewhere, let alone all the way into Cape Coral or Fort Myers, as far away as those are. Um, and you need so, your passport yeah. shots to get over <laughs> exactly. <that. Yeah. laughs> and so, you know, people kind of ate that up. Oh, there's a guy right up the street that can do a tune-up, that can change a flat, that can do, you know, X, Y, Z, and they and they like to support locals. Um, yeah, it really so. does talk about how the island sticks together and supports local businesses, and I mean. We certainly noticed post Ian, everybody was nice before, but uh, we actually said we got to know people better because you were all out in the yards cleaning up the debris and, you know, helping other neighbors pull and lift stuff. But to see somebody then actually, it's one thing to say support the island, but then actually when they start to pay their money down. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And use the services. It's a huge, huge compliment. Yeah. A, a good disaster always brings people together. And, and we saw that back in, in Colorado with that thousand year flood. It was amazing. You, you really, you get to know who the good neighbors are and, and the neighbors that'll, you know, helicopter out in a heartbeat. Um, and, and that's, that's important. You know, the heartbeat of a community is, is huge. And that's one of the things that's just been a magnet that keeps drawing us back here is it's real people, um, that aren't trying to be somebody else. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind, compassionate, giving, um, you know, there's, there's, we have, we haven't found anything yet in this area that makes us go, Ooh. It, it's real people, you know, doing real stuff and, and uh, would, would drop anything from helping in a heartbeat. So you're really lucky to have a son and a daughter that are both interested in the business. But I circle back just a little bit. You said you gave up employees. I mean, uh, just the overall, even good people can be unintentional headaches at time. And so was that the impetus of the family or was it the interest or some combination of those factors that, you know, it's great to be family-owned business. Right. Um, but you know, there's stories about where the rest of the family's not interested and you're lucky that they are interested, oh, yeah. but was that kind of a goal in restarting this new business was to stay away from employees? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, with, with the software, we, we weren't huge. I think we had 40 employees that are at our top. Um, but I was always used to having more like six to seven employees. And when you're that small, you can really know everybody. You can almost be friends with everybody. There's this communal respect. Um, you know, because I started the company, I really believe when you start a company that you should know every single position. You need to be a CSR. You need to be a programmer. You need to be a graphics guy. You need to be a server tech. You need to be, you know, the, the guy answering the phone at midnight because there's an issue. And until you've done every position in the company, you really have no business hiring anybody um, because you need to be able to understand what that person's going through, train them well, understand what their performance is once they're in that position. And so that, that was me kind of how I always started my companies is I would, I would do everything in the company. And then once a position or, or, or something became too painful, that's when you brought somebody in and hired, um, once that pain threshold had been met. And so, you know, I had a group of seven at the beginning that was like family. Um, they'd do anything for me. I'd do anything for them. It was just an understanding. And once it got bigger and um, you couldn't wrap your arms around all of them as well as the clients you were serving, it didn't, wasn't as fun. Um, it really gets discombobulated. And, you know, uh, at that point, you're really talking about trying to develop a culture in, in your company and bringing in people to develop that culture and have a cadence of meetings and, you know, all this stuff that I was just like, this that's not what business is about. You know, I, I liked it a lot better when it was just six or seven of us. Right. I don't like having these, you know, four meetings a day where you talk about, you know, when you're going to have the next meeting and the next meeting and nothing actually gets done. Plus the the types of people that we were bringing in towards the end, um, they were, it's just a whole different crowd. They were asking for equity before we even hired them. Wow. Um, they were wanting ridiculous salaries. They were making promises. I knew that they wouldn't be able to keep. Um, it was just a whole different crowd that was looking for jobs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, the, that was my passion is being close to the customers and close to the employees. Um, and knowing that I was actually benefiting people through, through my software. Um, I've never been able to really be a good salesman with something I didn't believe in was actually going to change your life, you know? Um, and once it, once it moved out of that realm, I, I was pretty fried, you know? Um, cause I was, I was still wearing all the hats and trying to keep it all together, but it just wasn't fun anymore. Um, and then through, you know, life circumstances, you know, give you an example. My, my wife got diagnosed with MS, uh, at some point during all this, my daughter got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Um, that kind of made us just want to get in the camper and run. Right. And so, you know, looking back, those, those were all positive things. I hate to say that, but, um, it really glued our family together as a, as a unit and we could get in that camper, go escape, go somewhere where nobody knew us. It was just our, our family unit. We could all go out and do things together and enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, the time off grid, uh, at the cabin out there, we, we'd be off grid for eight weeks at a time where you didn't really have to see anybody if you didn't want to. And it was you in the mountain 
and you know your your daily life was do we have water do we have food do we have fire <laughs> um no internet you know no no outside influences it really boils life down to what it should be and that that'll tend to to glue people together and so yeah. we we really grew tight as a family um and i think that you know our kids saw that they they trusted us they they knew we could get through some some natural disasters, some disease disasters, some other things. And it, it developed this trust where, you know, when I said, hey, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to go start this bike shop or whatever the project ended up being. People were like, yeah, we can do that. Let's do it. You know, yep. uh, it's kind wow. of the, the can-do attitude. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Very strong family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, and that's a, a blessing from God. We've, uh, we spent a lot of time in churches and whatnot. Um, Kaylin and I are, are both, you know, on on the worship team. I've been a worship leader. Um, that's always been an important part of our life is is our faith for sure. Mm-hmm. And the post office today came out with an MS stamp. Did you see that? Mm-mm. Yeah, no. just today. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's it's getting more attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it should. They yeah. they keep saying we're very close. I mean, I've heard that. You know, with yeah. new therapies and as he was saying though, follow the money. Oh. No. <laughs> True. It's it's not it's not very profitable to cure disease. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry you had an autoimmune disease. That's terrible. Yeah. It, you're okay now or um I I still have it and I still struggle with it. It's called POTS. It's not very well known. It's starting to get more attention as well just because it's become more common after COVID. People who got COVID oh. are also getting it. Um, but it's it's something that I've been able to manage over the years and kind of learn how to deal with it. There's no cure or medication that's um, meant to target it. So it's just kind of a lifestyle changes and exercise. I eat a lot of salt because um, that helps. Um, so just being able to manage it better now is definitely good. But um, yeah, it definitely, like he was saying, you don't want to say it was a good thing, um, but it definitely brought a lot of good things into our life to have to deal with that hardship. Sounds like it made you stronger. Yeah. yeah. So um, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but if I had to go back and do it again to get where I am, I definitely would. Oh, so. Wow. So what's your approximate split then between Time on Time Island and Colorado and the camper and those kinds of things? How do you, how do you kind of, I'm sure there's not like exact dates per se, but kind of what's the formula? Because it sounds like you really enjoy that disconnection, um, which is a really nice relief not to have email and text pinging at you all the time. But mm-hmm. how do you folks manage that in terms of, you know, keeping the business going, but still having fun? Right. Um. So we're actually this July going to go back to Colorado for the month of July. Typically we close for a month in the summertime. We've done it longer, but no, we're thinking a month is about good. Um, and we're going to go just spend some time in the mountains, escape the heat a little bit. Um, and then eventually do more camper travel. Cause we're going to sell our house in Colorado. We'll still have the off grid cabin, but we're going to sell the house and, try to downsize a little bit, spend more time just traveling in the camper. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things that's it's become tougher to go back there. We, mm-hmm. we become more full-time. And I think part of that is what I was alluding to earlier is purpose, purpose in life. Kaylin and I kind of get back there and, you know, you, you hike the mountains, you do some dirt biking, and then you're like, <laughs> what are we going to do today? Be- because you don't have the purpose of being in front of people, um, having a positive effect on their lives. Our, our community back there has changed a lot. We, we, our main house is in kind of a gravel road community. That's always been uh, some pretty hardcore mountain people. And it, it's all changed. A lot of them have died or moved away or whatnot. And so it's all new people coming in that, that don't necessarily have the the same moral standards and whatnot. So it's it's getting easier to kind of let go of, of the big house back there and um, move on and find find the next gem. You know, we, we want to do some traveling up in Virginia and Maine and um, 
you know, see see what else is out there. We we love loading up the electric bikes and throwing the camper on the on the hitch and heading somewhere to do a little exploring and find find the next Pine Island, you know. Well, I know um we don't like to dwell on Ian, you know, but it it happened. But you 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 were hit with COVID when you opened, right? Mm-hmm. And then you were hit with Ian. Yep. You know, um and I and you I read one of your things. It was amazing because you said you're tired when you get up and you're tired when you go home. Mm-hmm. And I remember that struck me because Trig every day was saying, I'm tired of being tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar, you know, how, how did you pers- persevere through all that through, you know, right? it was meant to be somebody, people were trying to get you to fix their bikes you're thinking about a bike shop someone calls and says you want to buy a bike shop but then you get hit with COVID and Ian right you get through it um you know I'd say adversity has just kind of become part of our life and and we've accepted that long ago um you know I I always tell people you get you get two options in life you can either uh keep digging or you can curl up in a ball and suck your thumb um and we've been presented those options lots of times in life and and so, you know, when when something like that hits, um, for me, it kind of musters up that that side of get your shovel out, let's keep digging. So we were on boats coming in every day right after the storm, helping people, moving stuff for people, clearing stuff out, um, carrying gas cans, you know, getting people to where they needed to go on the island by boat and whatnot. And just from from our experience with the flood in Colorado, as I said, it, it just brings people together. And so through that, we've formed so many cool relationships. Um, neighbors right there in Mount Lachey, people all the way down here in St. James City, people in Boquilia, people in Cape Coral, Fort Myers. Um, it was kind of amazing to see who all would be on the boat that day. We, we would take off from Mount Lachey Isles and you know, like, hey, boat's leaving at 8.30, everybody be there, and somebody would tell somebody, and somebody would tell somebody, and all of a sudden you had, you know, 19 people that would show up, um, chainsaws, wheelbarrows, gas cans, everything in between, and you you get to hear their stories, and all of a sudden you're getting off the boat in Mount Shea, and somebody needs help getting over to here, and somebody needs help getting over to there, and um, so, you know, I I think it was was a ministry opportunity, um, and it was a relationship opportunity. We, We really close with a lot of people um a lot of people started coming to our church through that we were holding kind of worship sets on our dock at night with the guitar and, and singing and whatnot people were starting to gather for things like that um you know it, it's one of those things that you've just gotta you gotta understand that we're gonna have troubles in this life it was one of the promises in the bible and be ready for it you know you, you've got to be prepared uh, mentally and physically to, to sustain those. Um, you can't just curl up and suck your thumb, you know? And so encouraging other people through those times, there, there were a lot of people who just kind of wanted to give up, move out, say, Hey, I'm done. Um, we'd have conversations with them like, hold on, you know, this isn't the end of the world. You, you can get through this. What do you need help with? You know, let, let's start somewhere. Um, it's easy to get frozen into inaction for a lot of people when something like that hits, you know, but if you can, own them and guide them and say, okay, see this corner of the house? Let's start there. Let, let's at least clear this out. Um, and you, so, you know, you, you take baby steps and, and you get through it. Um, you know, one thing that's for certain in life is change. And so even when something like that hits, you know, it's going to change. You know, there will be an end to the trial. Um, you're you're going to get through it. And the more people that come in to help, you know, the faster you're going to get through it. So, you know, I think I mentioned we had our, our church and our parking lot at the bike shop for, gosh, I don't know, three or four months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they served thousands of meals. They prayed with people. They, they actually had a hog trough out there. Some people got baptized. Um, it was, it was a, a great ministry opportunity for them, and a lot of lives were affected. Um, a lot of people got fed. Um, we were able to fix a lot of people's tires and whatnot. You know, that was a, that was a main mode of transportation after it hit is, and people were getting flat tires because of all the, all the debris and whatnot out there. Um, I remember sitting, sitting at the blue dog, fixing, uh, Jesse's bike, Jesse Tincher, um, <laughs> had, had a flat tire and, and it was still full of mud in there, you know, and, and, uh, just sitting in there changing a tire, sweating. Um, but that's, that's all good stuff. You know, that, that again, gets back to purpose in life and, um, that, that's, that's the real deal. Uh, that's what life's about, you know? 
nothing fake about anything that happened there. So you and Dave strike the deal. Then uh, who came up with a name, family effort, and then, you know, kind of what was the derivation to the name? You know, how did you get to Island Bikers? He actually had come up with that back when he was doing it in the garage. That's what was on the yard signs was <laughs> Island Bike Works. So I don't so even know relocated. how you came up with that. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, no, I mean, I've got a weird brain. Stuff like that just kind of floats through and, and it sticks <laughs> and, and we go with it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of just gut instinct type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, K- Kaylin and and my wife they're they're awesome at look and feel and design and what should be stocked and and all that stuff you know we we definitely wanted to be a place that you could walk in and get your phone holder and your water bottle holder and some cool lights for your bike and a nice comfy seat and some of the cool gadgets that you know you may not find other places um you know we we wanted to be a fully stocked one-stop shop and and that's kind of what we we still strive to be. You know, once we we build the new building, we're going to get into even more of that stuff. Um, you know, more and more gadgets and toys that mm-hmm. people haven't heard of. But you know, a lot of it is it's it's been really cool um, to get people back out on their bike that didn't think that they could bike anymore. Um, you know, the electric bikes have done a lot of that, but also you know, hey, you've got back issues or you've got knee or, or shoulder issues or whatnot. Here's a bike that's specifically built for that. Or here's a seat post that's going to change your life. Um, and we've ridden it all and we've used it all. So we know it's going to change your life. This isn't just a, <laughs> hey, this is a sales job. I want to sell this $160 seat post. I, I've ridden them. I've, I've ridden all the brands. And, you know, you can actually say, hey, th- this is cool. This is going to change your life. If it doesn't, bring it back. You know, mm-hmm. well, there's um, fear issues too, aren't there? With people mm-hmm. that haven't ridden for years. Now I can't ride a bike or, you know, yep. mm-hmm. and it's yep. not like we have a lot of bike, you know, pass here. Yep. I mean, you have to be, we can use the wide sidewalks, mm-hmm. but the shoulders and so like Malache, it's yeah. kind of scary you yeah. know, to go through there without a bike path. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we deal with a lot of older people, um, you know, three wheelers, recumbents, um, everything in between, and, you know, somebody's found a machine that gets them back out, but it's something that nobody else wants to work on. Guess what? You, you can bring it to us and we'll, we'll get you set up and get it fixed and, and working it right. And you enjoy matching them to the right bike. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like seeing that six-year-old grin on people's yes. faces again, you know? Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, I can bike again. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get a fresh breeze. I'm going to be able to go to the store, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, we had a, a woman the other day that came in and her, her trike was leaning and she had fallen off of it and crashed. Oh. And it was, it was a simple fix. Her right tire was almost flat. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and, and so even stupid, simple little things like that, being able to be like, okay, so here, here's what happened. You know, this, the, the right-hand side of your spring on your seat was broken. So your seat's leaning, your, your right-hand tire's flat. Um, she couldn't really run a pump, but guess what? We had a little smart pump. That was easy to run. It wasn't one of those floor pumps. You got to put a little, right. lot of effort into. You can just kind of put this on the nozzle, hit a button, walk away, and it puts it to the right, you know, PSI. And and so just little things like that. That you know, where else would she have gone? You know, if she didn't have grandkids or a son or daughter close or whatever that was going to be able to you know fix it, or if she'd taken it somewhere, you know, God forbid, somebody could have said, "Oh, you need a whole new X Y Z, and it's going right. to cost you six hundred bucks." When it was really just a simple spring in your seat and you know, the, the tires low type thing. Um, it's and she just, was okay. She wasn't too afraid to. Right. Yeah. You know, you explained mm-hmm. to her what happened and. Yeah. And, and, you know, you show some patience and some love and, and uh, some encouragement and all of a sudden they're, they're back out again. You know, the, the longer you can stay on wheels, the, the younger you are, you know, it works your balance. It works your core. Um, you know, they, they've just, they've done a lot of studies that say that the longer you can be on a bike balancing and, you know, doing, going through the motions, the, the younger you're going to stay, the longer you're going to live. And so we just really like to get people back out that think that, you know, they're, they're done biking or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And electric bikes are, you know, a big part of it. Uh, electric bikes have this kind of stigma with some people. Oh, you can't get a workout on them. Oh, they're dangerous, et cetera. Um, anything can be dangerous, you know. Right. Um, it's, it's all in the, in the operator. And so, you know, we've specifically chosen, for example, the electric bikes we sell all have torque sensors. 
99% of e-bikes out there don't have a torque sensor. They've just got a cadence sensor that the cranks rotate. And as soon as they rotate once, boom, that motor comes on and it's kind of unpredictable and it's scary. And, you know, if you're going around a corner and you did that, it could be bad. The, the torque sensor actually measures how hard you're pressing on the pedal. So it's a lot smoother power delivery, a lot more predictable, a lot more interactive, like a real bike. And you can get a heck of a workout if you want to. Um, you still got a thumb throttle where if, you know, if you get super lazy or super tired, you know, you, you could give it a little bit of throttle and get home. Um, but just, you know, introducing people to things like that and explaining the differences is life-changing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I can't count the number of people that have walked in the shop and said, I'm not going electric. You can't get a workout. I'm, I'm never going to go electric. And after we chat for, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, I get them out on a bike with a torque sensor and they're like, wow, that's life-changing. Sign me up. Take two of them. And they still <laughs> pedal, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you're not just sitting there, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. You, you definitely see people that ride e-bikes like mopeds. You know, they don't pedal. They're just throttling, okay. et cetera. Um, typically, those are, are bikes with cadence sensors. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the torque sensor can't really get away with not putting some effort in. It just mm-hmm. rewards your Good. effort. The more effort you're willing <laughs> to put in, the more power you get out of the machine, you know, and so it, it entices you to, to press. Mm-hmm. And then you can go out on longer rides and you don't have to worry about not being able to make it home. If you want to go down to Captain Collins for lunch, you know you'll be able to make it back because mm-hmm. it's not as strenuous. You have the power behind you if you need it. And they'll go, most of our bikes go 60 miles on a charge. So um, as far as island riding, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about <laughs> anything. Not a lot of on the island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that one uh, down at the end, Bokelia, you know. We just just past in, uh, Lazy Flamingo. Central it. Florida, and uh, everybody talked about the hills in Mount Dora, which technically the, there were some hills in Mount Dora, but I think Claremont has the highest hills in Florida. But somebody said something like, well, yes, you can ride anywhere. You can ride anywhere in Florida pretty much because it's a literally, I mean, there's gentle stuff, but yep. it's pretty flat, so very enjoyable to see. Yep. You mentioned the yard signs and word of mouth, which is always important, particularly in a small community, but other forms of marketing, social media, or other efforts that you're making to get Facebook. better understood? Yeah, Facebook is huge. Pine Island has, I don't even know how many Facebook groups, probably like 50 groups just dedicated to the island, the community, the businesses, and um, a lot of the groups, because we're on Pine Island and they support local, they'll have specific days that businesses can post because they want to get the word out there. Um, so Pine Island Facebook groups are huge. We get a ton of recognition from our posts. I'll post something that says, um, we're closing up soon. Make sure you bring your bike in for service. And we have 50 people come in the next day that are like, I saw your post and I wanted to bring my bike in before you close. Um, so that's been huge. Yeah. Kaylin's kind of our, our marketing guru. Um, she's excellent at writing content. Excellent at choosing photos. Um, excellent at following the rules of each group and, and knowing what those are, when you can post, what days, what times, how to reach certain audiences. And so she's kind of taken over that whole piece, which is awesome. I, I used to be in sales and marketing and, you know, running the bike shop, there's other stuff I need to be dedicated to, you know, making sure we've got all the parts and stock that we need and all the mechanic stuff and that all that's done right and whatnot, talking to people, selling bikes. And so she's, she's just kind of taken that over naturally with very little direction. Um, it's not like I'm looking over her shoulder saying, no, hold on, let me review that post before you hit save. <laughs> um, we just trust her with it and, and she's run with it and, and become awesome. But that's a real um, compliment because I think if you look back on your career, and I spent a ton of time in sales and marketing, it's hard work. Now, if you've mm-hmm. never done it, you kind of think, well, you sit at a desk and you read stuff and you create it. But you know, you had to track interest in your products and your company, right? Well, in today, in fact, we were just talking about something the other day is even if you watch something on TV, it's constant motion graphics and flashing mm-hmm. things and stuff like that. And uh, so to be able to just what a great talent and, and valuable service, really, to have somebody that knows yeah. how to write something, because anybody can write anything, but to get somebody to respond is mm-hmm. having put hours into that over the years, that that's a heck of a skill mm-hmm. and what an asset to be able to drive business like that. 
Oh, huge. I mean, she, she does our brochures, you know, we've got brochures out at um, Tarpon Lodge and, you know, Chamber of Commerce. She does, she's the one who decides what we're going to advertise in. You know, the KOA comes to us and says, Hey, do you want to be in our map? Um, she's the one that puts together the ideas for what's going to be in that ad, what the content's going to be, what pictures she'll actually go out with friends and do, you know, picture sessions with them on bikes. Um, it, it's, it's yeah, definitely a blessing to just be able to hand that off to somebody that you trust and know that they're going to do a good job. I mean, she does stuff that I don't even know she she did it until you know two <laughs> weeks later. I pull up our Facebook group and I see the cover photo was changed. Did I ask her to do that? No. She was sitting around one night and said, "You know what? I'm going to update our cover photo with something more relevant or whatever it was." Um, you know, adding our products to Google. Um, nothing I would enjoy doing or take the time to do. And all, all of a sudden, you know, when you do a search for us on Google, she's added a bunch of products so that people can see what products we carry when they search us on Google. Um, is, is our Apple Maps listing updated? Does it have our proper hours? Does it say we're permanently closed, which it did for a while? Um, how do you deal with that? You know, all those different things she's been able to just kind of pick up without any guidance or, or direction and just deal with. Um, so yeah, that, that's huge in a company, you know, and, and she's also an excellent sales person. Um, you know, she can sell a bike just as well as I can. She knows the facts on all the bikes. She knows the torque sensor versus cadence. She's got the patience to, to sit and listen to somebody talk and then, you know, take her turn and, and kind of come in with, with her, her points and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome to watch. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to ask with your dad back working on the bikes and taking care of what he takes. What's it like being up front and kind of, kind of the face of the business almost really in terms of greeting people and getting back to people and enticing them in or getting them signed up for service, whatever the case might be. How's that been for you? And It's honestly so fun. Like the different people I've met and connections I've made, friendships, relationships. It's just awesome. People come in and they're just looking for a headlight and a taillight and we get to talking and we're friends within 10 minutes. They leave with their light. They have what they need. So just being able to help people and give them what they want and know that I have in stock what they need, that my mechanics can do what they need to fix their bikes, that's just really fun and rewarding to have the answers and be the problem solver and help them out. Well, I have to tell you, a friend of ours said you have to interview them. They're just wonderful. And um, when I walked in, I said, well, um, I have to have my bike looked at. Should I make an appointment? Oh, no, just bring it in. You're like, what? Not too many places will say, just bring it in. You don't care when I bring You know, I, I brought right. it in. Yeah. You fixed it immediately. I mean, it's an it's incredible service you're, you're offering to people. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to be different in the industry, you know. Um, do do things right. Do them, you know, as quickly as you can, but still, still quality. Don't make people wait. Um, it it's a you know work on anything. It, it's a whole new kind of take on on the the industry. Um, you know, as a whole, you know, we hear a lot of stories about people walking into a bike shop and they don't want to work on something they didn't sell you. They don't want to work on an electric bike. They don't even want to change a flat on an electric bike. Um, and so kind of out of the gate, we were like, uh-uh, that, that's not going to be us. We're, we're going to work on whatever they bring us. I mean, we've worked on uh, four-wheel machines. We, we've got two, you know, scooters that don't even have pedals in the shop right now that nobody else would touch. They had flat tires. Um, we've worked on wheelchairs. We've patched air mattresses. I mean, you know, <laughs> st- stuff completely unrelated to bikes. Um, you know, it, it's funny what walks into the shop every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can, you don't turn them away. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the shop, um, we've kind of danced around it, um, days of the week, hours, etc. So people do need to drop off their bikes to get service other than the July closing. But when you're in business or open, excuse me, what, 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 how does that work? So people can come in whenever they want with their bikes, no appointment needed. Um, we're open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 to 4, and then Saturday is 9 to 1. Um, and typically, this time of year, if you bring your bike in at 9 o'clock on a Monday, you should be getting it the same day. Otherwise, Wednesday morning at the latest. Um, and that's even if you're going for a full tune-up and you need a chain and cables, we're just, we've got 
my dad and my brother doing the mechanic work. So we've got two men working and um, right now it's mostly locals. We don't have the tourists here right now. So we really try to prioritize getting the bikes in and out as quick as we can. And, it, and it's definitely weird hours. Um, you know, we struggled that when we first opened, we were open six days a week. And um, I've just always been a believer in, you know, that balance between work and life. Um, I, I've already lived the life where I was on for, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, as I'm sure you, you have in that, that industry, it tends to fry you pretty quick. Yes. Um, I, I want to have time to have fun down here. The whole family does. And so that's why we take Tuesdays, Thursdays, half a Saturday and Sunday off because we want to be out in the boat. We want to go fishing. We want to, you know, interact with people, have time to get together and hang with the neighbors and play cards and whatever else it is. Um, so, you know, we were worried about that at first, but, um, people have really gotten used to that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule. Um, they bring their bikes in on those days and, you know, the, the Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's few and far between where, you know, we get somebody who's like, Oh my gosh, you know, that, that wrecked my life that you weren't open on Tuesday. What are we going to do? <laughs> so, you know, I, I would definitely encourage everybody else to, to, uh, you know, maintain that work-life balance. And I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Any future expansion plans? So it sounds like the repairs and so forth and the sales are going pretty well. Other things that you guys are thinking about doing with the community or expansion of services? For sure. Um, you know, we, uh, we definitely are reinvesting in the island. We we're here to stay. Um, we feel like our, our shop now is too small. Like during high season, when, when we close up at night, we have to pull in all the bikes and, and every morning we pull out all the bikes and um, it will literally be so packed in there. It's like a bad game of, of Jenga. I mean, it, it's all <laughs> the way up to the door. If I wanted to go in there on one of my days off to do some catch up work or whatnot, it's impossible because you'd have to pull out all the bikes just to get to the work stand and, and get something done. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we've got 200 to 250 bikes in stock electrics and standards. And then you throw in all the service bikes that we've got to store and the recumbents and the three wheelers that take up some room and it, and it gets pretty crazy. So we bought the lot across from where, where we are now across Stringfellow, maybe, uh, six to eight right months ago, the hurricane. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and, uh, the plan is to put up a 4,800 square foot shop. Um, it's going to be a, a metal building, but a beautiful metal building. We're going to have some nice covered porches on it, some nice fascia, cool. um, and really expand um, not only the uh, the apparel and the accessories and, and the bikes that we stock, but we're also going to start looking into water sports, um, stand-up paddle boards, kayaks, mini skiffs. Um, Kaylin, being the entrepreneur she is, is going to open up a coffee shop inside. Mm -hmm. um, full service coffee shop that, you know, is probably going to have some, some delicious, uh, food as well, just mm -hmm. minimalistic food, but healthy <laughs> stuff, um, and, and run that aspect of it. So, um, it's just going to give us more potential. You know, we don't have to pull bikes in and out every morning and every night. If we want to go in and do some catch up on your days off, you can do it. Um, better, better space that people can actually hang out. Um, you know, for example, yesterday when we were open, we had probably eight people in there that hung out for four to six hours. hours. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people are kind of getting to the point where the bike shop is a destination. They want to come and hang out and talk to us, talk to other people that are gathered in there. So the coffee shop and having a bigger yeah, space is going to coffee, have a sandwich. Yeah. yeah. And, and we get bikes cranked out quick enough. A lot of times, you know, if it's a flat tire or whatnot, that it's going to be better just to wait, you know, and have a cup of coffee while we fix your tire and hang out, talk to some people and, and uh, be right back out the door. So. Mm -hmm. And you said you earlier, you might consider rides or tours or. Yep. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, we've, we've got a group called e-bikers of Florida that, uh, you know, it's actually standard and e-bikes, but mostly e-bikes. And right now it's just kind of a free thing. You know, we, we, uh, ourselves or somebody in the group will lead a ride, you know, and it could be as far away as Tampa or as close as right here on the island. A lot of them in Cape Coral, a lot of them in Naples, Mayaka River State Park. Um, right now it's typically 15 to 20 people that get together and um, we might start at Joe Stonas Park and end up out at Cape Harbor at one of the juice bars or a coffee shop or a lunch spot. We'll grab some lunch, 
then head back. Um, so it's, it's just a, a good group of um, friends that, that get together and, and ride together. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have a slow group and a fast group. And so we did a, a ride a few weeks ago on the island. Mm-hmm. And we went from the shop up to basically Captain Con's in the Boquilia. And I don't know if you guys know about the the wax guy, but he's got, uh, Jeff Abbott's got these huge wax lifelike figurines um, on one of the gravel roads before you hit Captain Captain Cons. It's okay. on the left. And it's a, it's a private road, so not many people go down there because it's, it's well-marked. Hey, this is a private road. But we all wandered back there on our bikes. And as you go by this house, it looks like there's this huge party going on down on the lower level. <laughs> and you, you look up on the second level and there's a guy with an AK-47 strapped to him and a cigar um, up on up on the balcony. And then you, you go by and you sneak, sneak a look in the back and there's a guy peeing into the canal. <laughs> Um, all wax figures that look extremely lifelike. And Jeff just happened to be there and was very gracious and said, oh, you guys should park your bikes and come in and do a tour. You know, so we went back there and, and wandered through and he told us how he'd created them. And he creates, you know, two or three new ones a year. Um, kind of gave us his story. And so everybody just loved that. You know, they, they really enjoyed it. And there's there's a lot of different spots like that on the island, whether it's a mango farm or Jeff Abbott's place or... Um, you know, a historical museum type, type thing, or, hey, this person used to live in this house, or here's something fun to do on the island that you, you could do uh, that you should be aware of. And so we thought, you know, really we should be opening up into e-bike tours. Like we, we rent e-bikes now, we rent standard bikes. But uh, if we all had Bluetooth helmets on and there was a leader that could say, hey, so on your right, this is where so-and-so used to live, who's a famous author. Coming up in a, you know, 1.2 miles, we'll be stopping by Jeff Abbott's house. This is what goes on there. Tarpon Lodge back here. This is a great place for, to watch sunsets and to have a drink, and their their food's excellent, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we're probably going to open this up once we get the new shop built where we're doing more e-bike tours. Um, people who are staying on the island, people that want to come to Pine Island and learn a little bit more about it. We've got several people that, that want to contribute to that that are, would be excellent tour guides that know a lot about, you know, a lot about the islands, you know, more than we do, um, that want to lead those. Um, so it's, it's just an area that we feel like would be a, a great thing to do on the island. You know, as you guys know, not having beaches and some other stuff, um, you know, if, if you don't like to fish and you, you don't like the quiet, some people get here, you know, family members or whatnot, and they're like, well, what do we do? <laughs> um, that's a great healthy thing to be doing. You know, let, let's go rent e-bikes and do a tour of the island and, the next time they come back, they're just more educated on what makes this island awesome and what they could be doing and, and all that. So you'll be doing kayak tours and paddleboard yep. tours too. Yep. I mean, um, that's eventually. something you can do on the island. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, right now there isn't a place on the island that sells kayaks or sells stand up paddle boards or, or micro skiffs. You, you can definitely rent kayaks and whatnot. Um, so, you know, if you wanted to get a, a bag for your stand-up paddleboard, one of those that has suction cups that you can put stuff in and whatnot. You can't stay on the island and, and get that. Mm-hmm. So accessories, the the actual uh, you know kayaks and stand-up paddleboards themselves. Um, my son has a passion for for water life like that, and he you know is most likely going to kind of head up that division. And so bringing that into the island, kind of having a mini sports complex that's based around water and biking. I think will be, you know, a big added benefit for, for people here. It's exciting. Well, this has been very enjoyable. We didn't talk about everything we wanted to talk about, um, but just been fascinating. And um, we're so excited for you. It sounds like you you are getting really big with a, you know, with a need here on the island. Mm-hmm. Bigger place, more services. Everyone, everyone I've talked to, they just, they love the service you provide now. So thank you very much. This has been very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear. Thanks Thanks for for inviting us, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.